Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here today for the Locked On Big 12 Podcast here on November 17th. 2020. On the show today, Bill Haston, longtime columnist at the Tulsa World, joins me. We talk all things Bedlam, including Oklahoma State's season so far, the opportunity that lies ahead of them. And we also talk some Oklahoma State basketball as well, an exciting season coming up for them. Hope you guys enjoy our conversation. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here for the Locked On Big 12 podcast. And joining us today from the Tulsa world is Bill Haston. He's a columnist there for the paper. And it is Bedlam week. So we have a whole heck of a lot to talk about, Bill, don't we? Yeah. It's, well, first of all, before anything else, I am just so appreciative and so thankful we have a football game to even talk about. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, just we all for a couple, at least about a two month window. After the shutdown started, you know, the conversation wasn't football matchups or any of that. It was all about whether we would even have football. So to get to this point on the calendar and we've got, you know, OU has played seven times now. Oklahoma State's played six times now to get to this point in the schedule where we're we're into Bedlam week. It's a meaningful game. uh, the ESPN guys will be there for game day. So, you know, I mean, you hate the limitations on attendance and and the weirdness that surrounds everything, and you hate that you're holding your breath until the uh, testing numbers are released and, you know, everybody's good. And, but, you know, in this weird, weird-ass year, uh, to get to this point, we have a meaningful bedlam to, uh, to get ready to watch and cover. I'm pretty fired up about it. Yeah, I want to talk about Oklahoma State, you know, first here, because the way I think about it, after that Texas game, my thought was, in my opinion, it's still the best team in the conference. Uh, that is, That was my thought after the Texas game. Now I'm not 100% sure, but, you know, I remember last year when we were talking about, you know, Chuba Hubbard coming back and what this team was going to have. And, uh, you know, you think about what their goals were at that point in time, and you get to this season – and then, you know, you have that loss to Texas and they're really on the outside, way outside of the playoff picture. And that's kind of, you know, it's disheartening. And so is the fact that, you know, they didn't get to play a full schedule. And then you think about it, though, and you realize, look, they still have an opportunity with this team to do something that Mike Gundy has not done a whole lot of, of beating OU and winning the Big 12 championship. That's right. That's still there. That was still kind of the talk as, you know, we'd love the playoff, but this was really the goal, right? It was beating OU and getting going, going to and winning a Big 12 championship. That's right. No, that's exactly right. I mean, this is Mike's, believe it or not, 30th Bedlam game. Okay. So, and he's 5 and 24 uh, lifetime against the Sooners. So, you know, I mean, I've, I, I have interviewed Mike. I have been around Mike more than any other figure in my career. And, I'm telling you, he, regardless of what he might say publicly about it, does it bother him, uh, his bedlam record? Absolutely it does. Is he driven to win that game and and uh, to take his team to a Big 12 championship game? Absolutely he is. I mean, it's been nine years now since they won that, you know, the only Big 12 championship they've ever gotten was in 2011, and they beat OU to, <clears throat> to ice that game up. I mean, to ice up that championship, so. 
uh, there's no doubt. I mean, Mike, Mike is super driven uh, to try to get this series turned in a, in a more balanced way. Uh, but, I, you know, I was the same as you. Even coming out of the Texas game, I thought that OSU had the most complete team in the conference, but just had a, a, just a horrific day with the turnovers and the, and the two special teams mistakes and, and just handed that game to Texas. Almost doubled Texas in yardage that day. They, yeah. And still found a way, Josh, to lose that game, which just, you know, it just sickened everybody in Stillwater. And yet, uh, with regard to the Big 12 and Bedlam and having a nice season, all of those possibilities were still in front of them. Then they go to Manhattan, and uh, <laughs> something that I thought was a problem would be a problem possibly all season really, really showed up as a problem, and that's the offensive line. They had a what I thought would have been a really good offensive line, and then they lost one starter in July who, and he retired from football because of injuries. And then, and then another guy left the program later in the summer. So they lose two starters in the summertime after not having had spring football. And you're going to have to throw some guys on the field uh, against a Tulsa defense. Josh, the, whatever you're hearing about Tulsa and their defense, it is real. They have got a, a great defense. Yeah, they turned, so, they turned it up last week against SMU. I mean, that was, you know, they climbed oh, back into that game and won. It was impressive. Yeah, no, no. Tulsa's defense is, mm -hmm. is power five legit. They're mm -hmm. just, that's a, that is a really, really outstanding defense. And so OSU wins that opener and you think, yeah, that's not very impressive. But as Tulsa keeps stacking wins, it becomes that much right. more impressive, especially in a lot of the fact that Spencer Sanders only played a quarter. So, um, but here they are going to Manhattan a few days ago, and they just could they couldn't they couldn't block K State, mm -hmm. and so my instead of just wearing people out or or myself for that matter with all this minutia about the matchup Saturday, I mean it all comes down to that for me is well two things: Spencer Sanders and ball security, right. and then whether whether Oklahoma State can block these guys because. The Sooners have been a different defense the last three weeks. They're starting to get some takeaways. Ronnie Perkins was reinstated. He energized that whole side of the program. Uh, and so I think they're uh, – I think OU psychologically is in a better place defensively than they've been in, in years. And then the reinstatement of Ramondre Stevenson changed mm -hmm. OU's season as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I've, I've covered – a couple of their games since since he came back, and I mean, this guy is a is a grown man now, and he, oh, you had what I would say was an adequate run game before, right? Uh, but what with Stevenson, it is a game changing run game, and uh, with all due respect, to Oklahoma State's defense, and it is it is by far the best defense Mike Gundy's had, and it's the best defense Oklahoma State has had since the mid eighties. And I don't, I don't, I'm not suggesting that OU is going to be able to run up and down the field or score, or score more than maybe 34 points. Uh, OSU is going to make it very difficult on OU to get to get the ball in the end zone. But Ramondre Stevenson is a difference-making kind of a running back who can catch the ball a little bit if they so if they choose to involve him that way. Um, so uh, I just think Spencer Rattler already had weapons 
and targets all over the place. And then you add a 245 pound guy uh, with fresh legs uh, at mid season. I mean, it's almost like, like getting a free agent. Uh, right. Uh, so anyway, I, I think Ramondre Stevenson is the, probably the X factor of all X factors uh, on the OU side. And then uh, what I'm here, what I heard this morning is, is was a real positive report on Colby Harvell Peel, who's an NFL caliber safety. Now, that, that's state. what I wanted to go next, Bill, is what is the status of, of Wallace? Because, you know, Tylen Wallace and and uh, Colby Harvell Peel didn't play in the Kansas State game. What, what do you can tell us right. about those guys? Well, Harvell Peel's had an issue for, golly, about a month. Uh, I All I know, I, I wish I could be more specific. All I know is, is a guy who is – not just a, a, a trusted source, but an authority said that Harvell Pill is good and, and is healthy and is good to go and, and is as close to 100% as you can can be at this point in the season for the OU game. And that Wallace is looks great and will be uh, on the field Saturday. So, uh, and this guy is not a coach. This guy's not a university employee, but uh, he's as plugged in as you could possibly be. And, and, uh, and, and he, he, he told me all this without me even asking about it. So, right. Uh, but there's, there's just no doubt. I mean, in fact, the uh, Harvell Peel's one of the five or six best players in the entire program. I think Tyler Wallace is the best player in the program. I would agree with you. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, and, and that's one question I want to ask you about is, you know, against Kansas State, they had a tough time getting it going. And when that offense is at peak efficiency, it's the way they can spread the ball around. And I yep. think I think early against Iowa State, they did a great job of that, of showing you the different parts of the offense that are a threat and making you defend the whole field. You know, whether it's Jelani Woods, Tylen Wallace, Chuba Hubbard, Spencer Sanders, to some extent, you know, two in the run game. They're very good, you know, Dylan Stoner too. I mean, they are good at their best when they establish all that stuff early and keep you guessing. And that's what they had. I mean, they had a bear of a time doing that against Kansas State. And, you know, no Tylen Wallace, I think, was a big reason why. And I think if they can get him back near 100%, they're going to have, you know, that increases their chances of winning, I think, by like, you know, 70, 80 percent. Because I think yeah. without yeah. him, I mean, they're, it's it's a struggle for them to get to show all the parts of the offense, which is how the offense is at its best. That's right. You know, you mentioned Jelani Woods, and I ask all the time, why in the world don't you guys target him more frequently? Because on average, what does he get about one, one and a half targets on average uh, a game maybe? One, one a game, and yet uh, – and it's always an element of surprise. It's always an unexpected uh, kind of a play call. And But yet the guy is always open. Like wide open. Like open. wide open, too. No, not, that's right. And and it's not like you're going to get a whole lot of something special after the catch. Mm-hmm. He's, he's kind of like throwing to Jason Witten, you know. <laughs> yeah. He, but he's going to catch it, though. But he mm-hmm. does have – he has great hands. Uh, but – I'm with you, man. I I, I would uh, I, I would I would and, and you know the last time Oklahoma State won Bedlam, uh, I have vivid memories on about three pass plays of the tight end uh, running free and wide open in the middle of the field for big gains from Mason Rudolph. And I always thought, I, I always think about OSU. You've you've got these athletic H backs, these athletic cow they call them cowboy backs. Mm-hmm. But you've got these athletic tight ends running around. You never use them. You never use them. And and then here your counterpart Norman, they bring in these great tight ends and wear them out. 
Mm-hmm. Target them all the time, and, and you get mismatches. And look at Kolar up at Iowa State, and the other tight end with the long hair. What's his name? Allen. <laughs> I drew a blank. Anyway, so uh, I, 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 I'm with you. I, I would like to see uh, uh, Oklahoma State use Jelani Woods more frequently as a target, uh, but but with with a healthy Wallace on the field, uh, you've got Stoner on the other side. You've got Landon Wolf running around. Uh, in the middle of the field. So that makes the OSU passing game complete. Uh, I just, I mean, it just, I wrote about it for the Sunday Tulsa world. I mean, this is the most basic uh, uh, breakdown you can possibly have in football. But I mean, through seven games, Oklahoma State, I'm sorry, through seven games, OU has 40 offensive touchdowns. Through six games, OSU has 16 offensive touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and I went back a bunch of years, and and typically by this point, now granted there are fluctuations in in competition that you face year to year. You might have a really front loaded tough schedule or a back loaded tough schedule, but on average they they have 30 32 touchdowns offensively by this point in the season, typically. And this year, you know, half of that. So. Uh, but I think it all stems – I think it all starts up front and their inability to, to block the way we thought they would before they lost those two starters. And then they've had some injuries on top of it. So right, six games, Josh, they've had three different combinations, combinations up front of guys. So uh, we'll, we'll just see, you know, what they did with this extra time. Uh, you know, was it just all – was the priority just to get healthy or was the priority to really rep these guys in a physical way <clears throat> on the practice field and, you know, try to get better up front? Because I, I – right now, based on what I saw, granted, it's Texas Tech and it's Kansas. I understand that. Uh, and Kansas is just unimaginably bad. They're so awful. They're so awful. I mean, you know, when you think about it, you they're in the conversation for the worst of all these Kansas teams of the last 10 or 12 years. More from my conversation with Bill Haston of the Tulsa World coming in one second. But first, a word from Coors Light. Today's Locked On Big 12 podcast is brought to you by Coors Light. Do you feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to just chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work friends, family, and a million pressing social issues and expectation to be on 24-7. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It is made to chill. Mountain cold refreshment, made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies themselves, perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is the one that I reach for when I need a moment to unwind. I encourage you all to do the same. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. That's get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I mean, I mean their offensive line is, is it's like one of the worst offensive lines I've ever seen in, it is in Power 5 football. I mean, the, yeah, that, I feel bad for Jalen Daniels because I think he's got some talent and it's you know, it's funny, Bill. I was actually bringing up – I brought up Khalil Herbert, the running back they had last year who went to Virginia Tech and, you know, became their best offensive player. And that's the thing about Kansas is, like, it, it sucks to see, but you get guys like that who actually have some ability, have some talent, but they can't do anything at Kansas because of, you know, 
I'm not don't mean to blame everybody else, but like, what's a running back supposed to do if you can't block? And you know, right. like, what's Jalen Daniels supposed to do if you, if he's getting sacked twenty sometimes in seven games? You know, it's it's unimaginable. I mean, what they have happening there. Something about Oklahoma I wanted to ask is Oklahoma State in a good spot because OU the blueprint for being them on offense in uh, um, Iowa State said it right. It's tack make them tackle in space and see if they can do it because I and right. I like that they did better against uh, Texas Tech and they did do better also against against Kansas. But, you know, I think the best thing you can do is, look, let's see if those guys can tackle in space because they couldn't against Iowa State. That's right. No, that, that, that's exactly right. And, uh, you know, the first, the, uh, in the uh, Iowa State game and, and some in the Texas game, uh, just glaring coverage mistakes uh, in addition to the poor tackling uh, by OU. So, uh, you know, that's why I, I, I'm not sure exactly – uh, where Oklahoma is defensively right now, but but this is what I do know: their body language is better, their energy is better. What they what I've seen the last two games, uh, well, no, three games because they they played pretty well at TCU. So, uh, but but I am seeing better tackling. Uh, but you know, Oklahoma State's personnel are better than than what OU has seen. Uh, you know, probably uh, for the whole season so far. I mean, Texas has Texas has some playmakers, but but I think OSU from one sideline to the other can spread the field with more playmakers than anybody OU has faced so far. So, no, I mean that's a tremendous strategy. Get the ball to a Dylan Stoner mm-hmm. uh, on a safe play, and that's another thing too that uh, you know don't ask Spencer Sanders to do anything super heroic. Just just have the guy manage the game and let his playmakers uh, do their stuff. And, and I just, I, I just, but, but then that all goes back to can OSU block right. OU because here's, here's the most dangerous aspect of OU right now is they believe they're good. Yeah. And 50, yeah. I think, I think belief is about 51% of it all anyway. So well, it's also good playing a team that they know they can beat. I mean, you know, I, I know there's a lot of turnover from last year's team this year's team, especially the skill positions. But, uh, you know, for the most part, I mean, this is a group that knows they can beat uh, uh, Oklahoma State. You know, it's, it's a program that's so used to doing it. The one thing I, I – one player I want to ask you about on Oklahoma State before we go over to OU is Spencer Sanders, to me, like when when he came back and people were wondering whether, whether or not they should split time between him and Illingworth, I, I, I thought that was ludicrous, and I understand people's concerns with him, but he's such a talented player, and – when he gets on those rolls, he's impressive to watch. I mean, he throws a really nice ball, and he can really make every throw out there. I mean, there's a couple of throws you can see where he makes goes to the sideline, and that might be risky, but he can fit it right into tight windows too. And yep. the problem is, he just got to stay on those rolls, and he and he yep. got to not like you got to make good decisions, you know, when you're when you're you're rolling like that, and you and he's cost his team, especially in that Texas game, man. It, you shake your head because he had some moments of pure brilliance. I mean, it's his best to, like you know best throwing game he's had in college and then you shake your head and you say, well, it's, but the turnovers, and, you know, yep. it's his best game. And it, I mean, that's, it's Spencer Sanders in one, in one game, right. An excellent, beautiful you know, display of throwing the football, some good running in there too. And then, Oh yeah. He yep. also cost your team the game in a, on a career day. It's that's right. He's just got to get, I mean, it's pretty simple, right? It's consistency. I know the line hurts, but you have to compensate for that as a quarterback. Like you have to t- eat more sacks. You, you know, you have to throw the ball out of bounds. You can't try to be a hero all the time. 
And um, I think, you know, you can't always try to make the toughest throw, you know, just cause you see a guy open. You, you, I just, I wanted this, I wanted to root for him. You want him to realize his potential cause you can see it. It's right there, but he's just costing himself too often. Yep. Now he, you know, in the Iowa state game, he had two, he threw two picks in that game. And, uh, but he, came back after each of those turnovers and made plays and, and really recovered really well. And in the Texas game, uh, he just, I don't know, he, he didn't, there wasn't that recovery that day. And, and, but to his credit, um, and you know, he, there's something else about the Texas game. He took a beating that day and, and still uh, on a couple of plays, tucked the football, and and kept the football downfield to get to, to pick up first downs, but he took a beating that day. And at one point, I didn't think he was going to get up, but he did get up. And I so I think he's a gamer. I think he's a brave kid. Um, and I <clears throat> I think there's nobody on the OSU side who wants to win uh, Bedlam more than he does. Because I mean, the, the truth is at this point, I don't know that he. Ha- well, I I can't say that he has a victory at this point as the starter. And what has he started? 14 games, mm-hmm. I think, 14, 15, 14 or 15 games. He doesn't have a signature victory, Josh. And obviously for any quarterback at Oklahoma State, winning Bedlam is a signature victory. Brandon Whedon uh, got his signature victory, which I promise you, there's more people who remember 10 times more details mm-hmm. about that Bedlam game, that Bedlam blowout, then remember uh, about the Fiesta Bowl, which was an instant classic, OSU and Stanford against uh, uh, Andrew Luck. Uh, but because it was Bedlam, people I know people who can recite the play-by-play of that game. Uh, so it, there's no question that Spencer, you know, this is a legacy game for him. And he is now, you know, this is the two-and-a-half-year mark of him being in the program. So, I mean – Mike Gundy always refers to him as a young quarterback, inexperienced. I don't even see him that way. I mean, he's two and a half years removed from from high school, and he's been in the program and in those meetings and on the practice field all this time. And and this is a tremendous opportunity uh, for Spencer Sanders uh, down in Norman. At the same time, I think Spencer Rattler is is. Uh, I, I just think he's got. I mean. I, I haven't seen a, a college kid. I mean, maybe the BYU kid. Zach, I was uh, going to say Zach Wilson can. Sp- he spins it just like no, they, they look no, pretty similar, does. right? Yeah, but but I mean, from a pure arm talent standpoint, I think Rattler's right there. Yeah, uh, at the top of the list in the country. So, um, and and with playmakers all over the place and Marvin Mims yikes I mean he's just yeah he is a beautiful the the big 12 the big 12 is going to enjoy him the big 12 D coordinator is going to enjoy him for a couple more years aren't they they're going to love they're going to love that well that's why I wanted to go next bill because you know you think about these two quarterbacks and in the beginning of the season Rattler was the one who was you know the more inconsistent one and you know they even benched him at, at a certain point and then brought him back in and I think it's it's almost impossible not to put more weight on that of expectation on that quarterback position just because of the guys they've had in the past there. But That's with right. him, you think about how young he is, and I know he was, you know, I, I know he's had some time, but this is the first season, and it's a weird season at that too. And he's still learning how to play that position, and like you know, for Lincoln Riley at, at this level. And 
you know, that moment against Kansas State, you know, yeah, he didn't really seem to have all the answers when they were roaring back and couldn't he couldn't answer himself. But he's the way he's developed and progressed, like this is what I thought was going to happen. This, this, you know, it's going to take some time. He was not going to be Kyler, Jalen, or Baker. There was just no way, you know, off the bat. And you've seen slowly as he's grown, the offense has too. And I like the variation, right? Everybody talks about, you know, and Marvin Mim deserves the credit, but you know, Theo Weiss is a good option too. And like you said, Ramondre, Ramondre Stevenson has solved the problem for them of what do you call in short yarded situations? We've seen a million people botch this. Uh, they have a pretty simple answer. It's Ramondre Stevenson and, and you know, yep. you can't stop it. And then, you know, Austin Stogner too. I mean, this team has, uh, this team has got weapons and the offensive line starting to play well too. This is what I thought would happen. I just think it's really difficult for OU fans to be patient just because of the expectation and what they're used to. No doubt. But <clears throat> no doubt. Plus, starting plus, to get the, it. O, plus the OU fan base for two years before Rattler got here, I mean, they were obsessed with this guy. Right. I, yeah, I heard about him all the time. Yeah, all the time. And so uh, I, the most impressive thing, now I could point to three or four throws that Rattler has made um, under stress, in big moments and say that those were the most impressive uh, moments so far for him. But to me, the most impressive thing I've seen him do was the way he handled uh, getting a little bit of bench time in the cotton bowl. And he did not pout. He didn't put a towel over his head and go to the end of the sideline. He didn't, nobody had to like pep talk him. He stood right there close to Lincoln and he watched the game and he came back in the second half and he was the reason they won the game. And, you know, I mean, you see guys all the time who do, don't handle situations in a good way. He handled that situation beautifully. And, uh, you know, he got, uh, uh, you know, he got hit pretty good the other day in the Kansas game. He got hit right on the hip bone with a helmet. Uh, why he's not wearing any sort of hip protection or a hip pad is beyond me. I don't, I, I, these guys that don't wear pads and don't wear mouth guards blow my mind, but uh, he's had, you know, at first I thought, man, this two week break for OU is poor is doesn't come at a good time because they're on a roll. Right. And, and it comes at a great time for OSU because they've got some, uh, they've got some uh, stuff to fix and some guys to get healthy. And, and yet, you know, uh, the way I watched uh, when I was watching uh, Rattler, kind of walk around on the sideline and get tended uh, attended to by the uh, medical personnel I thought yeah this, this two weeks is probably good for both <laughs> sides and but I I think the world of Rattler his arm talent I think he's got an, an old head for football I think he's a really mature guy uh, I, and I've seen uh, the way his teammates relate to him and, and uh, you know I mean he's an uncommon granted he's a He's a second-year guy and a freshman, but and you know he's Lincoln. This is the first time since 2012 that Lincoln entered a season without a quarterback who had who had been a starter exactly ever. And so here you you got this was kind of a learning experience for Lincoln, I think too. Is is you know because it had been since Shane Carden like in 2012 that he had a rookie, a wow. rookie quarterback. So wow, uh, yeah, so. Uh, but but and then you know I was, I covered the K State game and and I thought this is so unfair to ask a freshman. That's what I thought too. To do what he's doing, but but, but they you know they had a poor day up front that day and they didn't run the ball very well and, and so you know next thing you know you go from twenty eight seven up to 
trailing and you say, okay, Rattler, five-star Rattler, go win the game. And, and, uh, and it, it, it was just too much to ask of him at that point. But, but when, when he doesn't have to have everything perfect around him, but when everything's mostly good around him, he's fantastic. And he makes throws, especially the high ball the other day in the end zone to Stogner. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just, man, he's, he is an artist with the football and, I mean, and you know, and and to be honest, I mean, the combination of 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 Rattler's poise and arm talent uh, and OSU's problems on the offensive line. I mean, that's why I, I personally don't have a big issue. I mean, a lot of people texted me yesterday and said, "Wow, OU by 10, You know, that's what does Vegas know that we don't? Because this seems ridiculous. I don't right. think it's ridiculous at all. Not in Norman." And not with those circumstances I mentioned, and not with the series history. So, um, I mean, that's about the way I see it. is is about a 34-24 kind of a game. But I do think Ramondre Stevenson. If you and I talk next week, well, I bet we agree that Ramondre Stevenson was the MVP of the game because because they can involve him. Uh, and you know, his stat line might be modest. It might be mm-hmm. 22 carries for 89 yards. Um, but. I, I bet you they're real important yards. And and against that defense, if he can get 89 on 22 carries, that's a pretty good day. Today's Locked On Big 12 podcast is brought to you by Built Go. Break through your wall, whether it's a mental or physical wall, break through it with Built Go every day. It's easy to take in a 1.5-ounce package. You can put it in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever, put it in your golf bag to power through the back nine, or put it in your pocket to get you through the day. It's like five-hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus, it's natural, so it's better for the body. Like drinking a monster energy drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. They've got three great flavors, peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. Visit BuiltGo.com and use a promo code LOCK. That's L-O-C-K-E-D, and you'll get 20% off on your next order. Once again, that's promo code LOCKED at BuiltGo.com for 20% off on your next order. BuiltGo.com, let's go. Well, you uh, also didn't ask him to wear down the defense, and I think the point about Rattler is, like, you can you can see him learning how to win. And, you know, you think about the Kansas State game, that's his first, you know, it's his first real game in college. I mean, the Missouri State game, you know, it's that it's kind of a throwaway, in my opinion. Right. You know, you're playing uh, Chris Kleiman, who's a, like, he's a, you know, this guy is just wins championships, what he does. And, you know, the successful coach and a, a tough team that was, you know, on him all day long. And like that, you could see like, okay, he, you know, he had to learn how to win. And the Texas game, he, like you said, he found a way, you know, you could just tell, like, he didn't freak out in the sideline because I think he, you know, he's a pretty confident kid too. He knows he's good enough. It's, I don't think it's a matter of, you know, the confidence or anything like that. It's just a matter of putting it together. Like you can see it, you, you can tell mentally um, it is there. And I want to hit a big picture point here, Bill, with you. It just probably no big 12 team in the playoff this year. Um, and looking at what everybody's going through or, you know, around the country and all these teams playing different amounts of games, you know, I would, if it comes down to at the end of the season and Oklahoma state has one loss and they win the went out rest away and win the championship and, you know, Ohio state seven and zero. I just it wouldn't sit well with me that the the team like Ohio State you know playing seven games would somehow get in with you got other teams playing four or five more. And right. my question to you is, should they expand the playoff just for this season? You know, I'm not saying everything moving forward, but in a season where all things aren't equal and there's unevenness, do you think it's probably fair that you know we we expand it to eight and just say, hey, look, you know, it's hard to know no, which they deserve it we, or not. 
yeah. Well, no, hey, Josh, we talked about that on our radio show last week. Uh, that, right. Uh, because, you know, the, the, uh, you always have a uniformity with comparison data points, right? Right. That's all gone. Mm-hmm. So, uh, no, I, I think this would be a perfect year to ad lib. Uh, everything, everything in sports has been ad lib. Right. I, I think this would be a perfect year uh, to because the truth is, I mean, if you go solely on the eye test with no regard to volume or you know this late start for the Big Ten or whatever. Is 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 I is Ohio State one of the four best teams? Undoubtedly, I mean, you, you know they are. But, but it, you know, Oklahoma State had uh, what amounted to like six or seven weeks of preseason practice, and then they go into the season and they lose some. Uh, you know, they lose the Oregon State game, and 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 they have a shortened season, but but as 2020 is defined, they're going to have as complete a schedule as anybody else. So, right. no, I'm with you. I, I think out of, out of, uh, out of fairness, uh, because the eye test is going to be applied more than ever before, because you can't just come, it's not apples against apples. There's just, everything's an apple and an orange in this well, deal. So and Bill, we're in a situation where, I mean, say Indiana, you know, they came down with some COVID cases this week. I mean, if Indiana missed their game against Ohio state and then, one out the rest of the way, which probably you know unlikely against Maryland, Wisconsin, and Purdue. But if they were to, I mean, they would represent the Big Ten in the championship game, and or the Big Ten, uh, you know, the West. I believe it's the, the one Ohio State's in, but they would win that division, you know. So, and are you telling me that that Ohio State at six and zero, you know, would be sitting there and you know, I guess undeserved in, in quotes? I mean, this is why I'm saying, you know, if we're going to do the whole resume thing, which I think it should be based off of your resume, you know, it's it's so challenging to do that this year. And um, I think because of that, we know we need to go to eight, like Cincinnati. I mean, Cincinnati runs the table, goes undefeated. You can't tell me that, you know, that they have double the games that Ohio State has that they weren't deserving of it. You know, because I I know it's unfair. That's why I should expand it. But if they're going to keep it at four, like at some point you are what your record says you are. You know, that's that's all you can do is just go out there and prove it. So, you know, I think this year is the year they should expand it. Just because we saw baseball do it, you know, Uh, the NBA kind of – allowed more teams to be you know able you know to to try and make it the nfl i mean they wanted to expand the playoffs but they have so i think this is kind of the time to do i mean at least for one season and just see how it looks right i mean what's i would love it yeah i would love it Uh, yeah and uh you know i get to uh, on december 4th a friday you know cincinnati plays at tulsa i would love Mm -hmm. for for to know going into that 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 cincinnati's got a real real chance to go to the playoff and that 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 is what's at stake in that game and you know yeah i'm sure you saw the announcement this morning that what they're doing with the ncaa basketball tournament they're gonna they're gonna bubble that thing up probably in indy uh but no i'm with you 100 percent. and somebody asked me that yesterday if i was gonna bubble the college football playoff uh what would i do and this guy proposed vegas and i said no i don't I, I wouldn't do it in Vegas. I do it in Phoenix is where I do mm. it. Of course, I was watching the Cardinals play at that moment. So <laughs> I said, but, but because, because Phoenix has a million great high schools and Scottsdale community college, and there's all sorts of practice facilities and great hotels and Glendale is beautiful. And, and, uh, but I'd stack up eight teams and, and take them to Phoenix, bubble them up and, and play it out right there is what I would do. But, but yeah, I would hate to see, you know, I mean, 
you know, Brigham Young lost some games that would have uh, been really good data points, really good impression makers yeah. on voters and selection people. And, and, but uh, is, is BYU one of the eight best teams in the country? In my mind, I test, hell yeah, they're real mm-hmm. good. And I would love to see that kid play on that kind of a stage. Uh, but you know, with regard to fairness, uh, like if an Oklahoma State were to run the table with one loss and that one loss being a five turnover, uh, two special teams mistakes, debacle against Texas when you double Texas in yardage, right? Uh, and see them get left out of that on the basis of that one loss. I mean, that would hurt. I mean, that you know, <laughs> the, then the message is to OSU will quit making turnovers, but uh, right, but this year. I'm, I'm with you 100%. I mean, it'd be yeah, – of course, if they were going to do that, then they need to be talking about it, like, right now. As you and I are talking, mm-hmm. they need to be talking about that. Well, yeah, there's been pushback on come that. In and, I, they can't get that done. Yeah, yeah, you don't – well, you could. You don't come in on December 1st and say, eh, maybe we should look at this. Right, no, they right. they need to be doing – they need to be do, doing and talking right now uh, with regard to that. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I've learned not to be surprised – uh, by anything anymore, right? And I still get surprised all the time, but I shouldn't uh, be surprised. Bill, one thing before I want to get you out of here, and this is kind of funny because Oklahoma State basketball feels a lot like Oklahoma State football in the sense of, wow, the uh, the excitement coming into the season and to have coronavirus kind of put a damper in, in a lot of ways on you know the excitement, and the ability of fans to be there and enjoy these, you know, supposed to be great teams. Uh, Oklahoma State basketball, I mean, just. Talk about the the energy around that program and Mike Boynton, the job he's done recruiting. And, and I, I even thought last year, like I enjoyed watching Oklahoma State play. I like the fight that they had uh, last season. I love Mike Boynton as a coach, good energy. Right, so, right. I mean, the you know, the presence of Cade Cunningham and a player like him, a freshman who's, who's a preseason All-American, which is, you know, in my opinion, pretty – I'm trying to think of how many times it's happened – but pretty relatively rare, I guess you could say. But I mean, he's an All-American as as a as a freshman coming in, not having played a single college game. What does it feel around the program? Talk, talk about the energy, even though there won't be many fans there, and just right. what are you expecting from Cade Cunningham. Well, I mean, it's it, it's you know, I mean, this applies to everybody for because of the revenue losses, but also because it just because you just don't have the experience uh, of having a big crowd uh, for any of these ball games, but. Man, what what tragically horrible timing. I mean, this is – I could argue, Josh, that this has been – that this year has been worse for Oklahoma State. Now, I'm not talking about stuff like – I'm not talking about the Gundy T-shirt thing or right. the Iowa Ference <clears throat> situation, those kinds of off the field – or the LSU thing now, apparently, reportedly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm talking about just circumstantial, uh, bad timing stuff. Oklahoma State uh, – finished a 60 million dollar new ballpark for the for its baseball program eight days like before uh the shutdown president bush was supposed to throw out the first pitch mm-hmm. and then they didn't play they they still haven't played a game in that, ball, that ballpark they were supposed to host the ncaa tur- uh, championship tennis tournament post uh canceled uh and then you know, they were that they started in January on a season ticket drive for football. They were determined and, and convinced they were going to break a record on ticket sales. And and then you and then you signed Cade Cunningham and and they finished uh, the season in basketball in a pretty good way. In fact, they they beat Iowa State there in the Big yes, 12 tournament did, yeah. on, 
on a on a last second layup uh, by likely Isaac Likely to, to win that game, and then and then that was all over. But the best thing I can say about uh, Mike Boynton, uh, his approval rating, in spite of his record, which is still pretty modest, but his approval rating within the fan base, uh, it's got to be ninety percent because he's just he's one of just the, the best people I know in sports and. Mm-hmm universally respected and liked uh and then he brings in this five-star kid uh gets him and, and surrounds him with a pretty good class and so now uh just the timing of having this kind of team uh, at least potentially this kind of team uh and uh, you know the most high profile kid they've ever signed out of high school. Now they've signed some guys who became great players, but but mm-hmm. they've never signed a guy. You know, this is the kind of guy that goes to Kansas or Duke or Kentucky, not Oklahoma State, and yet right. they got the guy. And so, uh, no, there, there's a there's a great curiosity. There's a there there is a great excitement, but it's but you know everybody realizes there's not going to be thirteen thousand six hundred in the gym. I mean, there's going to be a fraction of that. So. Um, but no, it's a big year for Boynton, uh, no doubt. Uh, and I'm not saying that in a hot seat kind of way. I'm just right. saying that in a, in a, you know, okay, you've, you've, you've now reached a point where every guy on the roster is your guy and every guy on the staff is your guy. And, and you've got this amazing piece to build around and with, with enough veteran guys to balance it out where you're not trying to replicate Michigan of 30 years ago. I mean, you do have some veteran guys and, and, uh, and plus, I mean, from what I hear about Cunningham, he's a, he's a little bit like Rattler where he's kind of an old soul and a really mature guy who uh, is, you know, already defined as a leadership figure in the program. So no, it's a, uh, it's a big year for Mike Boynton personally. It's a big year for Oklahoma state basketball. I just just like I would have said months ago about football. I just pray that we get it started, right? And that everybody takes care of their business with regard to testing and behaviors away from the court, and uh, respond and being responsible, and that we get, you know, most of a season played, and that we get a champion crown in March. Uh, apparently, in a bubble, but yeah, but, apparently, but, but 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 as long as we get champions crown and we know. get at least most of a season played with, with, with limited uh, disruptions. I mean, University of Tulsa, as uh, here we are, uh, we were 11 days away from Thanksgiving on Saturday, and they played their fifth game of the year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, you just, you just hope that basketball isn't, isn't as uh, jacked up as football has been. Uh, yeah. Some of the, some of the football schedules have been crazy. It's just, been, it's been weird. And, the the basketball thing, like I, I feel the reason I feel bad is because, you know, I, I went to the University of Missouri and I remember a few years ago when Michael Porter Jr. came and, you know, came to school. And I remember the the atmosphere in the program and then going to that first game, they played Iowa State. And, you know, the energy I've never seen the Mizzou Arena so packed. I mean, you know, they they had to, you know, they barely had space for any of the media. I mean, the Washington Post is there, you know, writers from the New York Times was there to go and, you know, see this, see this one of the best players in, in the country or the best player in the country, according to some play. And I, I feel bad for Oklahoma state fans being robbed of that experience. Right. It's such a great arena as well too. 
being robbed of that energy and just kind of feeling that excitement, you know, especially in the first game and, you know, your first big conference game. And when you welcome in teams like Kansas and Baylor and, and that kind of, you know, um, in that kind of environment too, being robbed, oh, yeah. of, you know, I, I do feel for them. Like I, I do feel for them because this was, this was supposed to be the year for both their football and basketball teams and um, football, you know, still, I, I mean, football, I feel like they're far from hitting their ceiling, but they've still been very good and basketball too. I mean, you know, they just a preseason All American. A guy's never played a college basketball game. It's pretty damn good. And uh, yeah, I, I feel bad for them. Bill is, is really the long story there. Long story short. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, they were they were they had gotten at they had even, uh, reached a point on it was early, but but their baseball team was hot. Also, to that coaching that, staff. I mean, Matt Holiday and Robin Ventura on the staff. Damn. I mean, look, that is unbelievable. Well, yeah. With with uh, uh, with. Uh, uh, yeah, you got the Holiday brothers and Robin Ventura in the right. dugout. So, so yeah, and they they uh they had a lot of star power in baseball mm-hmm. too with a new park. And so it's just been a it, it's just been such an unfortunate year for Oklahoma State. And so if if uh, yeah, but I'm telling you, I've been in Oklahoma now long enough. I mean, I'm from Texas, but I've been up here a long time. So I can tell you this: uh, a Bedlam football win energizes and satisfies the fan base 10 times beyond what anything else would. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I would have to see, obviously a national championship in football would be special and something that, you know, they would lose their minds over, but, but I'm telling you, uh, you know, they took a, uh, in Oh one, they took a three win team into Bedlam against the defending champion Sooners and won the game and the OSU people lost their minds mm-hmm. and did the, they didn't give a crap about not going to a bowl <laughs> or that they were four and seven, they won Bedlam and they were, and then they win Bedlam the next year. Same thing. They're beyond fired up and, and Tyreek Hill runs a punt back uh, six years ago. Un- 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 talk about an improbable turn of events now. Right. Oh, you choosing to punt a second time when they didn't have to, and Tyreek Hill runs it back 92 yards to, to win Bedlam. Well, to send it to overtime, they win Bedlam. I just, if they can find a way Saturday uh, to to get enough of a push up front that they can have some semblance of offensive balance, and if Spencer Sanders, and if they're no worse than even on turnovers. Then look out. Then we could have a uh, we could have a great game Saturday, and and Oklahoma State is good enough defensively to win this game. But uh, if, if if they if their offensive line performs anything uh, in any kind of way comparable to what I saw at Manhattan the other day, I think it's going to be a long day for the Cowboys. Bill, where can people find you and your work? Ah, well, you fi- follow me on Twitter at Bill Haston. Uh, and I've got fresh blogs and columns just about every day at TulsaWorld.com. Bill Hasten of the Tulsa World. Bill, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. I enjoyed this. Thank you, Josh. All right, that will do it for our conversation with Bill Hasten here on this Tuesday edition of the Locked On Big 12 podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at LOBig12. Follow me at JoshNeighbors underscore. Hope you guys have a great day.